Hello and welcome once again to Yesterladies. I'm Dana. And I'm Heather. And Heather, what are we talking about this week? Well, Dana, we are talking about our grandmas. We are. We're doing a special episode today. Uh, Mother's Day is this Sunday, so we thought we would do a very special, um, personal episode. So hopefully we haven't lost any of you who are like, oh, we only want, like, famous dead women. <laughs> <laughs> we just want the cold hard facts the cold hard <laughs> about facts. people we know. That's right. Um, so hopefully we don't turn you off. We happen to think that um, our grandmothers are pretty interesting ladies. Uh, we've each picked one of our grandmothers and it just so happens that both of us have picked our paternal grandmothers. Um, so we're going we're gonna to give you the highlights of our interesting grandmother's lives and uh i i think they're both pretty spectacular people your grandmother in particular has a pretty interesting past it involves guns and priests and that's all oh i'm gonna gosh. say for right now what a teaser <laughs> so you're gonna have to wait for that <laughs> so i feel like i hope my grandmother isn't super boring in comparison but i feel like how boring can you be when you were a nurse during world war ii right? that's pretty thrilling yeah so my grandmother my father's mother was born helen clark on uh, september 2nd 1920 and she was the second of four children she was the only girl so her brother Harold was the oldest, and then my grandmother, Helen, and then Keith and Lyle. And I should say that she was a farm girl. She was born not very far from here. Um, as we've mentioned before, we are in Windsor, Ontario, which is just across the border from Detroit in Canada. And um, my family are largely farmers. So my grandmother is a descendant of some of the first um, European uh, British farmers in the area, or I should say Scottish, Irish, British, uh, settlers. And so my grandmother was descended from, uh, the McCormicks and the Clarks, and she was born to Maud and Lawrence Clark. And Lawrence, my great grandfather was a farmer in Colchester. So I was asking my mom and dad more details about the farm. I mean, I remember it's still a family farm. Like my, my father's cousin, uh, farms it now and i think at this point he's gotten more into grapes uh because that's become more of an industry around here with all of the wineries that have sprung up in the last number of years but back in the day i guess it was more of a general farm when my grandmother was a girl so um apparently fairly large for the time now it wouldn't be considered i mean farming is big business now but at the time uh 300 acres which was what it came to be was pretty large it is very large yeah so they had chickens and some cows and pigs and they grew corn definitely that's something that we still see a lot of in essex county and uh soybeans as well which i didn't realize that they were farming soybeans around here that long ago because it seems mm -hmm. like soybeans is something we see a lot of now i didn't realize that it was a major crop even back then yeah they were introduced very early um i learned about some of that on peely island um and a couple farmers in the area were sort of pioneers in soybean farming so oh. it we have kind of like roots of soybean farming in Essex county so oh. i think i agree it seems like a very modern crop but it's actually been around the area for longer than you would think yeah that surprised me i, yeah. I had no idea yeah. yeah same uh so corn soybeans potatoes was a really big one uh, my dad actually has memories of going out to the farm when he's a he was a teenager and like working and earning some money um helping with the potato <laughs> 
harvest, I think. That's awesome. <laughs> I know it is. Harvesting right? potatoes is very satisfying. Is it? <laughs> it is. It, it, oh, it is. Yes. Know, okay. <laughs> well, I like harvesting things. So for, for me, it is. That's very true. Heather <laughs> but does but like... potatoes is like, oh, you pull like a whole potato out of the earth. It's exciting. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a harvester. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know what's funny in going over all of the kind of facts about my grandmother's life i was thinking it almost seems like heather is more <laughs> descended from my grandmother than i am <laughs> this whole time i'm going like farm Ooh, excellent <laughs> chickens yes i like this <laughs> i mean i like it too but you really like I, it. I really like it <laughs> uh anyway so and then tobacco was the other big oh yes crop. Tobacco was very um yep. so those were kind of the, i think potatoes and tobacco were kind of the two big ones um so being you know this is depression era and the 30s and um my grandmother went to uh went to school at a one-room rural schoolhouse (laughs) from grades one through eight and then um she went to harrow high school so my grandmother got her grade 13 because she intended to study as a nurse which she did so right after high school she was 19 years old and she went off to now it would have been really something because i mean she was from the county so i imagine she was rooming and boarding in windsor living away from home for the first time um to go to grace hospital to the grace nursing training program in windsor and grace hospital is or was i'm not sure how many grace hospitals exist at this point but they are always the hospitals affiliated with the salvation army so um her training was kind of rooted in (laughs) i guess the salvation army and um i'll just mention the fact uh, for a long time when i was a child um my parents and i attended a salvation army church and every once in a while my grandparents would come and grandma always really loved it because she had such an affection for the Salvation Army, when she graduated, the band would play the brass band and uh, they would see all the uniforms. And when you see, um, I'm going to post her nursing graduation photo along with this episode and you can see the uh, red, yellow and blue ribbons pinned to her chest. And she was always really proud of that. And she had a real affection. She loved to hear the old like marches played. (laughs) She always enjoyed that coming to the church. And I think it brought her right back to her salad days as a young salad nurse. Salad days. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that the church was affiliated with the Salvation Yeah, Army. I'm not sure how enmeshed that relationship was or how... I should look that up, actually, how that started, how the Grace Hospital franchise, I guess, came <laughs> to be, you know, an offshoot of the Salvation Army. But um, the hospitals were run by the Salvation Army and the Mm -hmm. nursing training program was run by the Salvation Army. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised because a lot of other hospitals were run by like orders of of nuns or certain orders of priests, right? So they would have all originally or most originally had some kind of religious group running them. So it shouldn't come as a surprise, but it's also neat that they did their training on site, right? Now Mm -hmm. we think, well, you go to university to train as a nurse, but then she would have gone to the hospital. So yeah, it's very practical. Very practical experience. (laughs) Absolutely. So it was a two-year program at that time. So she graduated as an RN and um she worked at grace hospital during the war by this point of course um it was now i'm not sure if she started her training in 1939 or she finished in 1939 but obviously that's right around you know she was kind of right in the middle of the war at that point so at this point is when she met my grandfather who Uh. was uh, at the time driving an ambulance for a funeral home in the area which um I always was confused by it because he used to go, yeah. I was just going to say, why would you need an ambulance at a funeral? Yeah, apparently that's, because he used to go on about that. And I remember as a kid, me being like, what? 
what? <laughs> so confused. But I guess the the funeral homes owned the ambulances and i i'm okay i should have clarified this with my parents i think what it meant was that the funeral homes owned the ambulances and they would use the ambulances basically to transport um corpses okay so that's how he came to meet my grandmother because she worked at the hospital so he would always be like i don't know hanging around the morgue (laughs) (laughs) it's a great way to a great place to pick up guys yeah right outside of the morgue try that Uh, (laughs) because otherwise a funeral home owning an ambulance service seems like a terrible conflict of interest no right (laughs) (laughs) don't call the ambulance associated with the funeral home (laughs) this is just life general life advice from yesterday ladies yeah that's a very good point (laughs) seems like a terrible combination (laughs) oh my goodness wow so so anyway they met and the other so they met because they were kind of both affiliated with the hospital in some degree uh (laughs) they also kind of met because my father's sister um was also a nurse and she was friends with grandma so she i think she kind of introduced them and uh, my grandfather who was gordon cornwall i should mention gord as he is known in the family (laughs) circle um um so Gordon Helen, they didn't they didn't actually date for very long. And apparently, um, my dad was saying that later in life he has read she kept scrapbooks and journals. Um I don't know how long into her life she did that, but quite a quite a while during her childhood and her adolescence and during this period. And apparently there had been some romance with a doctor. Wow. Yeah, and um he went away to war and things kind of boy we don't know why but things kind of petered out and it sounds like not that long after that she was introduced to my grandfather and i guess my grandfather was also kind of on the rebound he had been with (laughs) a woman who his mother apparently much preferred to my grandmother oh i know yeah my poor grandmother had to put up with a Mm. lot of um not very kind behavior from my great-grandmother ouch Annie Cornwall was not a nice lady from all accounts Annie Cornwall. and she is long gone. So I don't have any compunction <laughs> telling people that, but apparently she wasn't very nice. Oh dear. <laughs> That's something our grandmothers have in common because my oh. grandmother also had to put up with a very nasty Annie mother-in-law. Yes. Yeah, oh, so wow. there we go. Oh boy. Mm, yikes. Yeah. Poor grandma. Yeah. Annie wasn't very nice to her. Hmm. Apparently she would like often refer to this other woman that my grandfather had been with and kind of you know she just didn't think helen was good enough for her son and this farm girl just was not not good enough and um yeah i think my grandmother was always maybe a little bit insecure i mean that wouldn't help but she didn't Mm. think of it i mean we look back and we see pictures of her and she was a beautiful woman just really really cute really pretty and um but she didn't think of herself that way i think and she always thought my grandfather was very handsome and he was he was gord gord was a very handsome man um but i always think my grandmother didn't feel like she was as attractive Hmm. as him and so i think all of this kind of added to her Hmm. her insecurity but i always kind of want to go back in time and be like grandma you're beautiful (laughs) and like you do deserve him actually in some ways he doesn't deserve you (laughs) say that i like it my grandfather was a complicated man (laughs) um Anyway, so I was talking to my parents about my grandmother and, you know, things about her early life. And one of the things that my mom brought up, because my mother, um, who was, of course, my grandmother's Mm daughter-in-law, they always had a really close relationship. That was one thing that my mom wanted to emphasize, that my grandmother had 
just a really, really warm relationship with her three daughters-in-law. Um, they were like daughters to her. She didn't treat them differently than her regular children. And no. she had said to my mom at one point that she never wanted to do to a girl what her mother-in-law did to her. Mm. And I always thought that was really sweet. And I think that that's kind of emblematic of my grandmother. Yeah, she was, she was a pretty sweet lovely thoughtful woman and um so anyway uh my mom talked about uh grandma telling her about Sundays on the farm when she was a girl and still kind of during this period when she was a nurse I think you know she was kind of back and forth to home and uh Sundays her mother would have to prepare a seated dinner for like 20 to 25 people so the family uh farm hands that they had all of these people sit down dinner for like 25 people and of course my grandmother being the only girl in the family was the right hand (laughs) person (laughs) for uh for my great grandmother and they would make these massive dinners and of course that's where my grandmother learned to cook and as you might expect she was an amazing cook and an incredible baker and very much interested in canning and pickling and all of that stuff which again yeah i know <laughs> so very heather everything about her is very heather um so anyway back to kind of that period in the war so they were married in august of 1943 and six weeks later my grandfather left and she went back to the farm um she was kind of working at the hospital at that period um and then at some point when he was on leave and apparently the story is uh he was on leave and she met him in philadelphia she took the train down and apparently she bought a new hat and it was this cute little thing that she was very excited about and then so they met up in philadelphia and somehow he set her hat on fire when he like went into like her cigarettes and uh so on this eventful trip we are certain that my my uncle wayne was conceived (laughs) that's wonderful so grandma goes back to essex county uh pregnant and as it turns out my grandfather barely made it home in time for the birth of their first child (laughs) um and part of the reason for that and and grandma wasn't very happy about this and i can't say i blame her so ve day victory in europe day came and grandpa was able at that point to to leave and to come back home and he chose they were looking for volunteers to go to the south pacific to Uh, continue the fight against the japanese and he volunteered to do that hmm. knowing that she was pregnant so she was never very happy about that unfortunately (laughs) and i again i don't blame her so he went and he did that and actually just as a little sidebar my grandfather was on one of the first ships into hong kong harbor after the japanese surrendered and he had some very interesting experiences Hmm. uh there and releasing pow's and just the experience he had there were, were pretty so well he's off having these experiences <laughs> poor grandma is at home raising a baby well not quite oh, no, not quite. more and more Expecting. pregnant sorry he Expecting. did make it home two weeks before good. the baby was born so that was good but as you said this is it's all very fast like it's basically they get married they don't they dated for maybe a matter of months they got married six mm-hmm. weeks later he's gone and then he comes back and they've got a an infant a baby so. and that's a, a tough time for any couple never mind one that has just met and, and seen so little of each other you've barely had time to build your relationship so exactly that, that would be a challenge it's yeah. just a lot so my uncle was uh, born in 1945 and then three years later my 
next uncle, Bob, Robert, was born 1948. And then several years later, my father was born in 1953. So there was a bit of a gap. But so they had three boys, my three sons. (laughs) (laughs) And um, (laughs) one little thing. And again, like my grandmother was a very sweet lady. But she was also she had kind of a dry wit and she had a sense of humor. And she also had a bit of a temper, I think. And um, after they had two boys, she really wanted a girl. And she was pretty desperate for a girl. So I'm not sure. I don't know if they tried for another baby in the hopes that it would be a girl. But she was when she got pregnant for the third time, she was convinced <laughs> that this was going to be her girl. And to the extent that they didn't pick out any male names (laughs) so when my father was born they were uh rather surprised and grandma um was kind of startled (laughs) i won't say what she said in the delivery room but um she wasn't she wasn't (laughs) immediately thrilled of course she was later on and adored my father and was a wonderful mother but he went uh without a name for a week because they (laughs) (laughs) they didn't have a name picked out that's great and eventually they named him after the doctor who delivered him no (laughs) that's so great my father is neil after some some doctor (laughs) some obstetrician from the 50s yeah that's great (laughs) right yeah so by this point they had kind of they had you know, for a while lived in a tiny little apartment in downtown Windsor and then they had gotten their first house. And then by the time my dad was born, they had, I think just recently moved to their family home, what would be the family home for quite a few years in a suburb of Windsor in South Windsor. And they were there for a long time. And, um, I thought this was interesting, obviously, obviously, because that's what you did at the time when their first baby was born, my grandmother stopped working all that time. She had been working as a nurse for the hospital. Um, and she stopped, you know, working and that was pretty typical, less typical was, I mean, she didn't work during the period when my two uncles were little and my dad was very little. She actually did go back to work when my dad got to be school age. So I think that was maybe a little less common at the time than, than it is now. And I always thought that was, that was pretty cool. So, you know, my dad is school age and she starts working again, part-time two or three days a week back at the hospital, um, midnights apparently, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So I guess she was there during the day and when, when the kids got home from school and then would, would go off and, and work midnights. And then eventually she worked for a GP uh, as his full-time office nurse. And she did that for a couple of different doctors kind of during the 60s. So my grandparents, they moved around a lot and eventually kind of settled, I guess, back in this townhome in Windsor. Um, And unfortunately, when my grandmother was 80, she was diagnosed in 2000 with breast cancer. Um, And now she actually got over it fairly quickly they caught it early and she had a single mastectomy and it was over pretty quickly and we were all really relieved and she seemed still very hearty and like living her life um and then unfortunately several years after that she was diagnosed with esophageal cancer and that was much more serious my grandmother passed away on october 28th of 2005 Mm. and um um it was it was it was a pretty meaningful experience actually my memory of that we're talking about 11 years ago now but um we were all there the whole family we were mm. all there her three sons and all of my cousins and the daughters-in-law and even significant others of of my cousins 
And I just have this very strong memory of us being in that hospital room all around oh, her so bed nice. and just being with her. And she, she wasn't speaking a whole lot. Sometimes she would a bit, but, um, we were just there. We were all mm-hmm. there together and it was, you could tell that it, it meant a lot to her that yeah. it was a really, I, th- I feel like that's how she would have chosen to, to experience death. So in preparing for this, I, I emailed my cousins mm-hmm. and talked to my parents, of course, about memory, particular memories about grandma, just to kind of give you a sense of what kind of a lady she was. Um, my dad was saying the biggest thing for him. And I, I think because they share this, my dad has always had a green thumb and always been interested in gardening. Uh, my grandmother was the master though. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just, she had this gift for plants and she could make anything grow bigger and more beautiful and more lush than anybody <laughs> else's. And that's again, a very visual childhood memory for me is going to their house and seeing their, her pots in particular, like her annuals on the deck, mm-hmm. just overflowing. And she had tons of them and they were so colorful. She loved, um, multicolored, like just she would, a riot of colors, you might say, <laughs> just everywhere. Beautiful, beautiful plants. And then again, like all of this, a lot of it is kind of her farm girl mm-hmm. root. So as I mentioned, she loved canning and preserving. My dad remembers her chili sauce, that that mm. was a big thing every year. Her applesauce, she did that. And then pickles, uh-huh. that was always a thing that, especially later in life, my grandparents would do pickles. And I remember that strongly. And then her baking, she made the best pies. <laughs> anywhere for sure um i guess christmas baking dad was saying he remembers going down and just all the shelves would be stocked with fruitcake and shortbread and all of that stuff um she was a gifted knitter and that's one thing that both my cousins margo and julie remembered in particular was grandma teaching them how to knit and mm-hmm. talking about knitting with them um and julie was remembering um so when my when her first great-grandchild was being born my cousin margo's daughter jenny uh grandma of course was understandably excited uh-huh. about that and she was knitting her a, a blanket and i guess it wasn't turning out the way she liked it and i don't know how far along she'd gotten in it but i got the sense that like it was pretty established this oh. afghan and she just did not like the way it was turning out so she unraveled the whole thing and started oh, no. again <laughs> which is just great and that's grandma too like she she wanted to get it right and mm-hmm. like she did things properly and she got them right and like she wasn't afraid to go back to the beginning and start again and that was something knitting those blankets was something that she did for all of us and Aww. and all of us have those those blankets from her. Um, another big thing my dad pointed out was how much she loved baseball, especially huh? the Detroit Tigers. She was a huge fan and he always remembered. And I can remember too, we would go over on a Sunday to visit and the ball game would always be on the radio, like <laughs> just in the background hearing Ernie Harwell announced for the Tigers. And that was a really special thing. Um, she loved, loved, loved the sun. She loved to be out in the sun. (laughs) You could see it as she got, you know, later in life and, uh, she always had to tan in the summer and I think her, her wrinkles increased because of it, but that's okay. She was a grandmother. (laughs) She was allowed to have wrinkles. Um, she loved beer. That was another big thing for (laughs) grandma. Unfortunately, she had to stop when she was diagnosed with gout, but, um, yeah, I think she could still have a little bit at times, but that was, she always loved beer. And I remember that. I remember her drinking a beer, (laughs) listening to the ball game. So just a couple other things I will say about, about her being a grandma. So the first thing I will talk about is uh, when I graduated from high school, um, I guess both, both my grandparents were, they had been quite sick with bad colds. And my mom had said to them, like, you don't, you don't have to come. Dana understands. We all understand. You've been sick. It's way out. Like it was for some reason out at some weird location out in the county. It was kind of a long drive. And, um, 
but she said, and both of them said, no, no, we're, we're definitely going to come. So they made the trek out, even though they weren't feeling very well. And, um, none of us really knew. I didn't know myself that I would be winning a number of academic awards. And so my name is in the the program a bunch of times and I guess after the ceremony grandma and grandpa were extremely proud and I guess grandma said to my mother well I'm so glad I came (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, mom heard afterwards uh, some weeks later I guess she was talking to grandma and they had been to see the doctor and we actually had the same family doctor uh, so we all know him and so grandma was telling mom that she had brought in the program from oh <laughs> my graduation <laughs> and I had underlined all of the, all of the instances where I had won awards and things <laughs> and had showed them to our doctor. <laughs> And mom said to her, well, mom, why did you didn't have to do that? And I guess grandma said, well, I thought he should know, <laughs> which made me feel pretty special. As you can imagine, he needs to know the caliber of patient he is dealing with here. Apparently, <laughs> Dana won so many awards so in high school. Awards. <laughs> awesome. So there was that. That's just one of my favorite little memories from kind of the last number of years of her life. So my grandmother was a, she was a very sweet lady who had um an interesting varied life and um a dry wit and I think that was my favorite thing about her she was very smart and she had this kind of dry sense of humor and that came out in in everything that she did oh she sounds wonderful I wish I could have met her (laughs) me too I think you guys would have hit it off actually I think you would have really liked her I agree (laughs) All right. So I guess it's my turn. It is your turn. Hooray. I'll talk about my grandma. Uh, So my grandmother's name was Marguerite Green, uh, but she was born as Marguerite LeBlanc. um, And she came from a a good French-Canadian family. Um, And we don't have local roots. Uh, Her family came more from the Quebec area, but the LeBlancs go back quite far in Quebec history. So I actually have not traced how far back it goes. And I would be really interested in, in mm-hmm. uh, knowing that because having tour guided in Quebec city, I know that LeBlanc is one of the first names of the settlers in the area. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I don't know as much about it as I would like, but who knows how far back all that goes. So her parents were Louise and Napoleon <laughs> LeBlanc. Um, and she was born February 15th, 1918. So the day after uh, Valentine's Day. And I always thought it was really sweet that my grandma's birthday came right after Valentine's Day because she was such a sweetheart. And uh, so I thought that was very appropriate as a child. And she was born in Pembroke, uh, which is in Ontario, but really close to the Quebec border. And I think that's partly because the family is so French. And, uh, and so a lot of the family members, her brothers live uh, and lived in Quebec. And so the whole family was bilingual. And uh, um, so they, were, they weren't a big French-Canadian family. There were only four kids, which I think for French-Canadian families in 1918 was actually pretty small. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, like shockingly <laughs> small. I had started writing larger French-Canadian family, and then I was like, no, <laughs> no, that's like 20 kids. <laughs> so uh, they actually would have had a smaller French-Canadian family. Um, but I think this is partly also because uh, there was quite a bit of tension between my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather, and they ended up separating um, during my grandmother's childhood, which was very shocking yeah. for the time and very unusual. Um, I think there was some, some issues with alcohol and, and I, don't, I don't know the whole story. I don't know a lot about it, but, um, 
uh, he ended up, Napoleon ended up leaving home, leaving his four kids and wife, and he lived just down the street, uh, but my grandmother was not allowed to talk to him. So she has memories of sitting on her front porch and having to walk, watch her father walk by on the opposite side of the street, and she wasn't allowed to talk to wow. him. Wow. Yeah. So things were definitely very, very tense there. And uh, I get the impression he wasn't wasn't the best uh, father figure so mm. it may have been for the best but um louise did a wonderful job raising her children her three boys and her her youngest daughter uh on her own so my grandma was the youngest so she had three older brothers and i knew them growing up they were my my um, great uncles um but we called them the frenchies because they <laughs> they all spoke french and two of them lived in quebec and every time we get together they would start bantering and talking in french and, and it was like this wild crazy family uh reunion and my dad like loved getting together with them and so my uncle Amy uh, trained horses and raced horses so we always heard all about that and uh, my other uncles Morris and Joe uh, Joe ended up passing away um, early so I never met him um, but he was named Napoleon after his father so I can so, see what they called him Joe wait was she the only girl she was the brothers? only girl yep oh my yes. gosh and uh, when you were talking about your grandmother I thought oh my, my grandma is the same <laughs> so, that is so interesting yeah, it was really cool wow <laughs> right um, anyway, so she grew up in this, you know, not big family, but she grew up with all these brothers and, uh, and I guess they took very good care of her. They were very defensive of their, their youngest daughter, Marguerite. And, um, her mother ended up, um, uh, becoming a housekeeper for priests in, in the rectory. So she would, they would move into, um, a rectory attached to a church and then they would, her mother would be the housekeeper for priests. Um, so instead of, I can imagine being a woman at this time and, and raising four children, things, money was probably very tight and your situation would be difficult. So it seemed like this was a very practical solution to you have your living arrangements there. So it seems that Louise was a, a smart lady. And, uh, so they did this in both Pembroke and Ottawa. So at some point they moved to Ottawa. My grandmother would have been living there. Um, and our family traveled to Ottawa, um, uh, years ago when I was a child and we had this great family vacation where we were, you know, checking out Ottawa and touring our nation's capital and all this stuff. And we had made sure to get the address of one of the churches where they had lived. Uh, we went to visit it. And so we were wandering around and, you know, my parents are taking us past the rectory and girls, this is where your grandmother would have lived when she was your age and all this stuff. And we get behind the rectory and we kind of look up and there's a window on the second or third floor. And we took a picture of it because next to the window, uh, someone had graffitied initials in concrete powder, ML. Oh my Right gosh. next to the window. And we were like, no. <laughs> and my parents were staring at it like, it cannot be. <laughs> and we were like, are those grandma's initials? Because Marguerite LeBlanc. And, and we were like, no, 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 there's no way. And when we got home, we asked other family members and they confirmed that, yes, she had, there was this family story of my grandma had as a, probably a, a tween, you know, I don't know exactly what age, had found a bag of concrete powder, mixed some up, graffitied her initials on a rectory of oh all, my gosh. you know, not even like just on a back alley somewhere, like, um, right next to the window of her bedroom. And her mother found out and was naturally furious and horrified and, <laughs> and dragged her out in front of the priest and said, look what my daughter has done. And the priest said, you know, normally we would have her take that down, but we're going to leave it as a mark of her, of her misbehavior. Oh! 
and she has to look at it every day and think about what she did. <laughs> and that's Which, her like, punishment. I'm sorry, but if I'm her, I'm like, well, like, yeah, what did you think I did it for? Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, my grandma was a bit of a firecracker and I would hear these stories about her when she was young and like, she was, she had a great time and she really lived life to the fullest and, and was a bit of a rule breaker and, and maybe a bit of a rebel. So, uh, that I think really <laughs> is a good demonstration of that. So, and, uh, she went to schools, um, that were taught by nuns. So she had these strong memories. She would always tell me about, Oh, this, you know, going to school and being taught by nuns. And, and apparently there was an art lesson she did not care for. They had to paint an apple. <laughs> so the apple was part red and part green. So they're trying to do this still life painting. And, uh, and my grandmother was very creative and like decorating cakes and this sort of thing and very sort of craftsy and artsy, but I, I guess she was not much of a painter, at least not at that point. So she said she drew a circle, painted half of it green and half of it red, and then took her finger and smudged the line in between. <laughs> you know so. what? That's very like modern art. It is very, yes. Her impression of this apple. Yes. This is how I see I feel the like apple. a modern art teacher would be like, oh, excellent, Marguerite. <laughs> very deep. Yes. <laughs> well, I do not think the nuns appreciate it. <laughs> so it sounds like she gave them a little bit of a hassle, but, <laughs> but uh, when she got older, she, uh, to my knowledge, didn't go on into post-secondary, um, but she did end up getting a job and she sort of moved out. It was boarding, living on her own. Um, and I like to think of that time of her life as sort of exciting, mm-hmm. and, you know, like a fun time. Uh, she got a job with London Life in their Ottawa location. So she worked at this um, insurance company and uh, she had a story that she shared with me one time where the office needed her to take down a deposit of a whole bunch of cash. So they had this like huge bundle of cash in a a bank bag. And they said, okay, Margaret, we need you to go down and deposit this. And she was nervous about carrying this much money. I think it was like after hours or I don't know what time of day, but she didn't want to carry this big chunk of money all by herself. So she protested and the bank or the the manager of the office said, uh, okay, well, if you're worried, here's what we'll do. And he pulls open a drawer on his desk and puts a gun on the desk and said, you can take this with you. And if anyone gives you a hard time, shoot them. Wow. <laughs> I know. So I'm picturing this like, you know, probably early twenties, uh, receptionist or whatever position she held, like wielding a gun to, to protect this bank deposit. I was like, this is very sort of like mob. Yeah. Mobster. You know? And then what was this manager doing with a gun in his desk? And there's all these questions. So I, d- I don't know if she took the gun or not. Right. That's what <laughs> right. I was going to ask. Yeah. I, I can't remember how that, how it all turned out, but she was not robbed and the money got deposited and she didn't have to shoot anyone. So <laughs> Good. This is this is very it's always good. a good day at work when you don't have to shoot anyone. <laughs> exactly, like on the street. So that was pretty exciting. So somewhere in here of her living on her own in Ottawa, um, she met my grandfather. And the story that was told to the family was always that they met on the Rideau Canal, skating on the frozen Rideau Canal. So they met in the winter and uh, she had caught his eye. And I guess she was skating with some girlfriends. And they all said, oh, Marguerite, that, that young man keeps looking at you. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's uh, maybe interested. And she would always scoff and say, oh, I can't, you know, I couldn't look at that big nose. <laughs> because my grandfather <laughs> had a pretty big nose. And so she just went, bah, and b- brushed him off. Like, what would I do with a nose like that? <laughs> but uh, obviously she was interested because um, they ended up seeing each other. Now I come to the, the uh, very shocking and and scandalous part of our story because <laughs> this was not any uh, meeting on the Rideau. Um, my grandfather was currently a priest at this time <laughs> and our family did not know this. And this was a huge family skeleton. Um, you know, certainly us, the grandchildren didn't know, but what surprised us more was that 
their own children, my father and my aunt and uncle, did not know that their father had been a priest. And he had been a priest for years, um, I think at least a decade. Oh, wow, uh, that long. Yes, it was quite a while. He oh, had wow. his own parishes all over Ontario and Quebec. And he had, you know, worked as a priest for quite some time and developed a professional reputation. And, and he was a, a redemptorist priest and he was known for his public speaking. And later in life, he taught public speaking a bit at St. Clair. So this kind of makes sense. But uh, they kept it a complete secret and you will very soon hear why. Uh, so when she met uh, my future grandfather, he was a priest and she was, you know, just this young lady. Um, and this is where the story gets a little <laughs> vague. <laughs> Details are blurred. So we do not know what happened, but we kind of know what had to have happened. Um, because at some point here, she gets pregnant with my aunt. And uh, um, when I later questioned her about this, we know the sort of the dates of their marriage and when my aunt was born and, and it all happened very quickly. Um, and I questioned her a number of times about this after we found out that my grandfather was a priest and she was always very vague and always, I never wanted to, you know, so, and we sort of changed the subject. She was very good at changing the subject, but, um, uh, so she would always just say to me, and she was quite old at this time and she was in a nursing home and, uh, and I would go to visit her and I would ask her about it you know, well into the conversation. And she would say, oh, well, only God can judge. God knows what's in our hearts. <laughs> and this is sort of her line to like shut me down. And I would, I would maybe keep prodding a bit, but she, she would never reveal anything. But there was one visit I made where she opened up and I don't know if she was starting to suffer a little bit from dementia at this time. So I don't know if maybe she didn't know who I was or, or forgot that this was supposed to be kept secret, but because she told me all these sort of juicy details about, um, she had bumped into my grandfather on a street corner and she was heavily pregnant and, and maybe he hadn't realized oh my that goodness. she was pregnant with their child. And, and she sort of says like, it's yours. <laughs> and then everything goes into a whirlwind of them trying to get married before my, my aunt was born. Um, now I do not know if, if this is accurate or not. I mean, it, it, she was telling me at a very advanced age and her memory is, is unreliable at this time. Um, and my aunt has no memory of ever being told anything like that. So, uh, you know, who knows, this is sort of lost to the sands of time, but, uh, clearly <laughs> there, there, a were, there was a bit of a scandal here. Yes, uh, definitely. So my grandfather, w at whatever point he realized that she was expecting, did the right thing and said, well, we have to get married. <laughs> the problem is he's a priest. <laughs> so, um, that throws a monkey wrench in things. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty complicated. So, uh, in order to, to handle the situation, uh, what they did is they had to get a dispensation, um, to allow them to marry, which means that the church approves, um, the marriage, even though my grandfather is still a priest, because as most folks know, priests take a vow of chastity and, uh, should not be marrying while they are priests, <laughs> at least not Roman Catholic priests, which is what my grandfather was. Uh, so, uh, they found a sympathetic fellow priest who was able to um, get a dispensation for him to uh, sort of like temporarily lift that vow of chastity so that he can get married huh. uh, because they were concerned about the legitimacy of the baby because at this point um, you know our listeners might not be aware but to be born legitimately or illegitimately made a big difference in in your legal um, standing and in your ability to in inherit and and all these sort of different ways uh, that don't exist anymore so now it, it really doesn't matter um, like not legally but um, at that point it was very important to make sure that your children were born legitimately. So they, um, 
apparently this was like a late night ceremony kept secret and they were the only ones there and this priest you know married them just to make sure that everything was going to be okay and it's like all very like like an action thriller like wow crazy that this is part of our family's history but but also like so fun and so exciting to have this like story in the family um and uh and it was very soon after that my aunt was born so they really kind of took care of things in the nick of time my aunt enters the world. This is all happening in 1944. And the family had wondered, like I had wondered why my grandfather hadn't served in World War II because he would have been of an appropriate age to, to go over. And, and we had also, you know, there were all these sorts of clues that we didn't know where did this, this Bible come from or, you know, why, why were things certain ways? And, and then after we found out that my grandfather had been a priest all these years, everything fell into place. Mm -hmm. And and all of a sudden we had answers to all these questions. So, uh, they were married in 1944 and they moved down to Windsor to, so that my grandfather could get a job in the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he worked for Chrysler, uh, for many, many years. And, um, this also ties into why my grandmother was so disliked by her mother-in-law the way your grandmother was, Dana. So you can see (laughs) why perhaps her mother-in-law would not be impressed by, uh, you know, the woman who seduced her uh, son away (laughs) from the priesthood. From the church. (laughs) It's like so wonderful. (laughs) And uh, different family members have used the phrase, uh, you know, that, that for my great grandmother, her son, Tom, the, this priest, uh, sorry, my, my grandfather's name was Tom green. Uh, so her son, Tom is a priest. And they said, well, this is her ticket to heaven, right? Because if you have a son who becomes a priest, well, this, <laughs> this is an You're advantage. Really going to heaven. You are like for sure <laughs> going to heaven. So, and, and she was extremely proud and, and he did a great job. You know, he was, he was from what I can tell from the, the archivist's um, information that I've received, he was, he had a very successful career. So, so for him to be, seduced by this young woman and taken away from the church all of her dreams are dashed and uh, now he's just working in a car factory in windsor (laughs) having children and who wants that i can understand why she may have been a little concerned by all of this i can absolutely understand that she would maybe less from the like her soul perspective yeah more like wait what is happening with your life now this is a a big change (laughs) yeah i can see her being concerned but but it seems that she did not treat my grandmother very kindly at all that and, is not excused. and that we cannot we cannot no. uh, get behind because like your grandmother my grandmother my grandmother was so sweet like just such a sweetheart and of course i was her granddaughter so of course she's <laughs> gonna be sweet to me but but she was just a wonderful lady and it sounds like she was treated very roughly by her mother-in-law including um they lived in a small house on ford boulevard so what happened one day though is they were living on Ford Boulevard and her mother-in-law showed up at the house. Now the family was not local. So she had traveled down. Um, I think she lived in Toronto, um, and showed up and there was like a spat. Like there was just a, an all out fight. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it was in the house or on the street or what happened, but things did not go well. And my grandfather had to ask his mother to leave. Wow. Yeah. And well, good for him for standing uh, up for his wife, because I agree. I have to say, unfortunately, that's one thing that my grandfather didn't do a very good job mm, of is standing right. up to his mother, mm. you know, for, uh, for the sake of his, his marriage and his right. wife. So right. that is very nice to hear. Yeah, I was pleased to hear that. And I think, I think the message was kind of come back when you can be civil to my wife. So, so mm. that was, yeah. And so good I think him. there was not a lot of contact, uh, because of that. And I've heard much more about my, my grandmother's mother, Louise, mm-hmm. than, uh, my grandfather's mother. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, they were both dealing with some, some hard to handle mother-in-laws. Yeah. Um, all right. So they lived in Fort Boulevard for a number of years and then they ended up purchasing the house that I remember, um, that they lived in my whole childhood on Dominion, uh, Boulevard in Windsor. 
and they purchased it when the subdivision was just being built. So they were the first owners of the house and owned it for decades, like forever. Um, and didn't move out until each of them moved out separately to live in nursing homes when, you know, before passing away. So they lived there almost their entire lives in this house. And uh, so the neighborhood kind of grew up around them. And it was funny because when I went there as a child, it was so well established that I, I couldn't even picture the fact that it had been there. But we have old pictures of them moving in and, you know, like the picture in front of the house, like moving into our new house. And mm-hmm. it's just all fields or like construction sites around them. And it was neat to see the city that way. And of course, the expressway runs very close to their house and it wasn't there. <laughs> so it was just this long um, rural street. Hmm. Just down the street, a block from the street, there was Christ the King Roman Catholic Church. And this was a huge part of their life. So a big center of their life. And my grandma was part of the Catholic Women's League um, and would participate in all kinds of activities at the church. It was just a constant whirlwind of activities and uh, so my father, Michael, was born in 1960. So that is um, about 15 years after the other two children. And uh, he was called her change of life baby <laughs> <laughs> because he had not been anticipated. <laughs> and uh, she was surprised to be so much older and and expecting for the yeah. third time. So uh, anyway, so he came along and so his siblings, my aunt and uncle, were much older than him. So um, uh, anyway, so they raised their three children and, uh, you know, had a, had a great life living on Dominion. Um, and so a few memories of my grandma, like, like you have, um, she loved entertaining. They loved to have people over and, uh, she was a a good cook and, but she especially liked, uh, baking. So Mm. she liked cake decorating and I do as well. And so, uh, both my grandmas actually were big into cake decorating. So I feel like, well, that's where I got it from. Um, and they took annual vacations to Florida, um, later on, uh, when they could afford it. Well, and my grandparents did that yeah, for so a few she, years as well. And, um, one of my very vivid memories, and I think Dana knows that my stomach is the way to my heart, so it will not surprise <laughs> you that this memory is particularly vivid, but I, my sister will agree with me that, uh, a big bonus of going to grandma's house was she made us brown sugar sandwiches in her kitchen uh, and she had a breadboard that would pull out from underneath the cupboard. And there was this, like the one particular cupboard underneath where she kept the brown sugar in a Tupperware container and we knew that container very well because she would make us a brown sugar sandwich and sometimes it had peanut butter you know sometimes there was a little protein involved but sometimes it was just straight butter and heaping like just a huge layer of brown sugar on top and and now I'm thinking oh my god so much (laughs) sugar so much sugar on white bread like it was wonder bread with this thick layer of butter and this thick layer of brown sugar and I thought oh god I would just cringe if like you know my future children are fed things like that by their grandmothers but that's like grandmothers that's what grandmothers are for i forgot to mention my my cousin julie remembered also like sleepovers at at grandma's and her and her sister margo and they would always make jello jigglers (laughs) which is such a 90s thing and i love that grandma would do that with them that they would you know use her cookie cutters and make jello jigglers (laughs) and like but that's what grandmas do they they give grandchildren like way too sweet yes. stuff like all the time that's their role <laughs> and their mother's like, oh. yes. yeah exactly <laughs> mom stop giving them all this stuff <laughs> yeah and i remember cheesies were a big thing she would always have cheesies out and she kept um black cherry ice cream in the in the freezer all the time for us so i still love black cherry and one time my sister and I put on a Barbie fashion show for her. And this was very exciting. So we kept disappearing into back bedrooms to redress our Barbies. And oh, I specifically remember every time we would come out, she would compliment every outfit. She had something great to say about every outfit, no matter what. And uh, we put a different pair of matching heels on our Barbies, of course, every time we came out with an outfit. And every... Every outfit, she would we would get to the table and, and present the Barbie and walk it back and forth. And then she would touch the the shoe, the high heel, and she would go, oh, that looks like Italian leather. 
It was like every time, every set of plastic Barbie shoes was looked like it was Italian leather. And I remember her saying that in other contexts as well. So apparently something being Italian leather was like a big thing. Really big. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Italian leather is very nice. Heather. Yes. Well, I, I think so. <laughs> so, so, uh, and then another saying she always had that was so sweet. And I always loved it when she said this is whenever we would say something was coming up, you know, if you're writing an exam or, oh, there's a big test at school or I don't know, swimming competition or whatever. Um, she would say, Oh, you'll come through with flying colors. Aww. And she said it every time. And it always <laughs> comforted me so much. Like, Oh, I will. <laughs> you know, and, and she'll say, Oh, think of you. You'll come through with flying colors. It's so sweet. Uh, so they lived a, a long and, and very happy life. And, uh, my grandfather passed away in 2001, uh, at the age nine of 91. Um, and he had been in a nursing home for a number of years before that. So we would go up and visit and we would often go up with my grandma to visit. Um, and then my grandma lived alone in her house for many years. I remember, uh, being at the university and driving home and stopping at her house on the way home just to kind of stop in and visit grandma and say hi and get a brown sugar sandwich. <laughs> I think by that point, I had, uh, yeah, I think I had shut down the brown sugar sandwich, uh, uh policy, but <laughs> yeah, there was always, it was still fun. Yeah. And, uh, so she ended up moving to um, a nursing home called Sunrise on, on Riverside Drive here in Windsor um, and lived there for a number of years um, near the end of her life. And so then I would just visit her there instead. And she would play euchre with the ladies. Um, and near the end of her life, she started to suffer a bit from dementia. Um, but And, you know, sort of the ailments of old age. But she never, she didn't have any sort of major diseases, which was, which was a blessing. However, when she was 92, she ended up falling and breaking her hip, uh, the way your grandmother did. And that was kind of the last, you know, the last straw, right? So mm -hmm. she was hospitalized with her broken hip. And, um, so we were all visiting her at the hospital and, uh, I had the honor of being with her when she passed away. Um, so she passed away on April 23rd, 2010. So she's been gone for a couple of years now, but, uh, it was really special to me that I was there. And, and I wish that more of the family could have been, um, my, my aunt and my cousin, um, had been staying with her almost round the clock and I was just spelling them off at night so mm -hmm. they could get home and get some rest. Um, you know, so I regret that more of us couldn't have been there, like for your grandmother, but, I, I feel honored to have been the one that was there when she passed. So anyway, she was so sweet and, uh, and I have lots of happy memories of her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it sounds like we're both really lucky to have such we, wonderful grandmas. I think that's what we can sum up mm -hmm. and say here that, uh, Heather and I have been really lucky to have lovely grandmothers. And we should, we should say that all four of our grandmothers. That's true. Yes. Our other grandmothers. Pretty wonderful. Yeah, we, are wonderful too. we decided on these two particular grandmothers because yep. they had kind of the most, you know, interesting details <laughs> in their stories and yeah, yeah, in their lives. <laughs> yeah. But, um, certainly my, my mother's mother is, and still is a very yeah. sweet, lovely, wonderful grandmother who was always wonderful. And I imagine, and I know yes. actually, cause I know you're, yes, Dana, you're, I knew you're got to meet other my other grandmother. grandma. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So I miss both of them and I'm sure you, yes. Loved yours absolutely. Too. Absolutely. I, I miss her regularly. <laughs> So that's, I guess, our tribute to our grandmas yes. then, just before Mother's Day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you, grandmas everywhere, for Yay. just being wonderful yes. to your grandchildren. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll wrap up, as always, by saying you can find us online in a number of different places. Uh, you can write to us at yesterladies at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at yesterladies. And you can find us on Facebook if you go to facebook.com slash yesterladies. And of course, 
our beautiful website, yesterladies.com, <laughs> where you can find all of our episodes and a little more information about the podcast. And usually I would say we, we would be posting the resources that we used for this episode, <laughs> but we don't really have any of those. So I will say we will post, um, uh, uh, I probably just one picture each of our of our grandmother, so you can get a sense for what Helen and Marguerite looked like. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and uh, give us a rate and a listen. And thank you for listening, yes. and we hope you tune in again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.